All right. Well, we appreciate you taking the time. I understand you're a busy man, and I can only imagine how busy it is leading up in the next closing week and a half or so. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, crunch time right now, so it's uh, it's good. I can only Im- I can only imagine what kind of crunch time that entails. Uh, so you got about- it, it, I, I would say it's gotten a lot better um, with us going into our sixth year now. Week is not nearly as hectic anymore. Um, I think we've just spread that out over the timeline a lot, lot better. In the early stages, I remember uh, going off like on an average three hours of sleep for a week straight. I think we got it down now where it's like we have most of our whole team is still here on site um, at the office. We were getting a far, far more organized. So. I remember that it's going to take me six years to get my stuff together here at my own job to streamline it. So that'll be good. The first one I really had is just kind of what's the origin story of the whole Granite Games and how it's grown and evolved over the years. And I'm sure you've given that story more than once, but I mean, from where it's started to where it is now is obviously pretty substantial. Yeah, it was. Uh... Back in 2011, we had opened up CrossFit Fast Factory. Um, prior to that, I was a hockey player and did a lot of summer uh, off-ice training with high school kids, college players, even pros. Trained a lot of my peers, and it was just a passion. I had a passion for helping athletes get to the next level. Um, I ended up tearing my ACL and thought it was a good time to, if not then, if you know, whenever, to open up a gym. And it, the moment was right, so we opened up our gym in, in May. And we kicked off actually with a women's only boot camp. An athlete joined the gym who's still a member today, and she had never played a sport before. And I kept referring to her as an athlete. I had a very sports mindset, uh, still do it that you know now today. And I kept calling her an athlete, and she's like, "Coach, I'm not an athlete. I'm just here to lose some weight." And I'm like, "No, you're an athlete. Here, you're an athlete." And we created the Cloudy Town Throwdown. It was 49 athletes. Um, it was supposed to just be in-house. And I was actually kind of shocked that people actually showed up. It was before, like, really popped up. And she competed in it. She had a blast. Um, and then we did it the next year. We had 99 athletes. And it was a lot more fun, you know. And then all of a sudden, we made the leap to say, hey, look, we're going to take it to the university. Um, we rebranded it as the Granite Games. And we were supposed to cap out at about 299 athletes. So that was three times bigger than what we dealt with the year before which was a huge undertaking. And that's when the road started to get involved in you know, these really important companies that, you know, Reebok, that made it possible for us to, to do this. And we oversold. Um, so our registration crashed. And also we had like 500 athletes signed up. And we sat down and we're like, what do you do? Do you tell these people no? Like, how do you make the phone call? Hey, sorry, we're randomly picking people and you don't get to compete. So we made it work. Uh, is when we expanded to two venues and it jumped up, you know, registration jumped up and we sold out, you know, we jumped registration to 1200 athletes and we sold out like five seconds or something, 30 seconds, something crazy. We brought the qualifier in, uh, what would be last year. And I think there was, it's mixed up, but there was, you know, a quite a substantial number of athletes. And we brought the third floor in last year and this year we'll have three floors. We had about 13,000 athletes through the qualifier. So it's been, just a steady climb and 
it's it's been a lot of fun. Um, I can't really say it's just it's been a really neat journey. I'm kidding. That sounds awesome. like it. How cool to be a part of that. Yeah, I actually had a really the person I respect that is pretty substantial in the in the fitness market just text me and he's all he wrote was, isn't it cool that you run the Granite Games? And I just kind of laughed because even to this day, like, I still think of it as, like, the little cloudy town throwdown. I don't, you know, I don't think of it as this national brand or international competition. I just think of it as this thing we do in the fall. Mindset's never really changed. It's, you know, responsibilities might be a little bit different. But, I don't know, to me, it's just this thing that we've always done. So, you know, I got asked the other day, like, is it stressful? And I was like, I don't know, because you just you've always been within the system and I grew as the event grew. It's not like I'm not brand new. Somebody didn't throw me in this position. Like I feel bad for some of our team members who are like getting brought on board. And like, you know, they're hopping onto a train that's doing hundred miles an hour. I just kind of got aboard very on and some of our team did. And I think they, I think they're a little bit more accustomed to the speed at which we move. So does this take you all year to, to plan and recover from and then just get right back into the next year of planning for Yeah, I was talking about it uh, at lunch the other day with a good friend. I said, you know, post-Granite Games, you go into about a 30-day, I don't want to call it a depression, but you go into like a 30-day like numb. So coming off this high of adrenaline, you don't sleep for seven days. It's, it's pretty intense, um, to put it lightly, and it's this culmination of a dream. You know, for many ways, I imagine, like, you know, a wife or a, a woman get married every year. Like, she plans this wedding and it's this big, extravagant event and you're in charge of making all these decisions and all of a sudden, it happens. And so, all of a sudden, you wake up on Monday and there's, like, nothing. It's very, uh, it's crazy to ride, like, a roller coaster and then get off and all of a sudden, you were to, like, walk around the theme park and there's nothing there. Um... And so you go through like a 30 day kind of just like this, you don't really know where you belong anymore. You're not like in charge of decision-making. It's just kind of done. And then you get your energy back and you start to plan a little bit for the qualifier and start to put some dates together. We start to do a tentative calendar in November. So, I mean, we're working on the event 12 months out of the year. After, I mean, it's just, it's, it, it deserves, the athletes deserve that type of commitment. He said you got to see it. How many people does it take? People does it take? Um, well, on site, I think we're up to about 500 volunteers. I always refer to it as a green machine, and those people are amazing. The volunteers are second to none, the way they work together. I would say year-round, take you got five to ten. That I don't think any of us are technically like full-time. We don't have the Granite Games doesn't have a full-time employee. Um, it's all kind of just people that get involved and, you know, throughout the year in that 12 month span, people are involved at different levels. Obviously right now we're ramped up. So as soon as we get within 60 days, we pretty much pull all of our directors in, um, and they start sitting in meetings and, and the other 10 months out of the year, it's, you know, really, you know, four or five of us are talking regularly on it. And then we have another five people that are like, you know, popping in, helping with certain things, but it's not, it's not a full-time job for any of us. I mean, I own a gym. I do, you know, this isn't my, this is, we're all, you know, like I have a shirt on that says, this is not my day job. Nobody's day job is grand games. Like we're all gym owners or athletes or, you know, everybody's got an actual thing they do on, you know, the five or nine to five. Pretty cool to have 
passionate about it. I'll come to the see it all play out. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't know. It's, I wish others could experience it. I, I still remember to this date the, the first snatch that he hit at the Hollenbeck Fieldhouse when we moved the event and just, I had, I, I was like almost crying. I had chills going up and down my, my spine. And, and to this day, I remember like we were on the radios and I just remember, you know, calling out to the rest of the team, like, you know, whatever the day was, I think it was 2013 Granite Games is live. And it was just like, thanking everybody. It was just, it was a crazy rush of emotions. Um, and what's weird is that's always stayed like that first workout that kicks off, it kicks off the event is just a, it's a weird this energy that hits you that you've built up to this it's same thing with the qualifier when that first video gets launched the first thing i'm completely panicked is did it launch on time and how are the athletes going to react like are we going to get just you know slammed because the workout doesn't make sense or you know it's too complex or are they going to love it you know like we want our athletes to have fun but be challenged smiling like this is not meant to be easy but it's meant to be worth it and so it's it's a lot of pressure at the same time. So who's the mastermind creating the workout sound? Is that you? Yeah, I got. This is our we launching workouts right here on this little whiteboard. Um, we just launched all all the workouts just went live about ten minutes ago on the website. So um, I think I did the math one day. It's like a hundred and patients uh, of workouts that have to be written. Um, so it, it's, I, this year was the best year. Last year was the worst year for programming in the sense that I went through uh, swipes where I completely deleted the entire document. So in the docu each document can take, each document is, you know, 10 pages deep. And so imagine writing a book and saying, you change one thing and you delete everything. So there's many nights I stayed up till three or 4 a.m. last year. I also thought last year's programming was one of the most unique and I think on unexpected uh, challenges with the, the Minnesota uh, triathlon and, you know, things And this year we're, you know, getting unique with sandbags and doing more strongman stuff. So it's every year has got a theme and it's just how well that theme comes together. So this year is definitely, I would say it's, uh, it's high skill, but it's also a little bit of endurance based. Um, and then it's a lot of strongman stuff. Last year was, you know, a little bit more peer across uh, functional fitness and um, uh, that was a big outlier. How are people going to respond to doing a 55 minute workout? So, uh, yeah, it doesn't sound like any fun. <laughs> we know a guy that's training and I know that, uh, I think I talked to him Monday and he was scrambling to try to find the place with some Atlas stones because he was trying to get prepared for the strongman side of things. So the Atlas Stone, you can kind of get your hands under it and you can and position yourself appropriately. We, we had one of our coaches uh, demo the 150 bag on site just to test the workout, make sure you know, loading was proper, uh, appropriate and in the distance. And she took five minutes just to figure out how to like, and then once she was able to understand, it wasn't the technique, it was like, how do you get your hands underneath this thing? And, and get leverage under it. And once she was able to practice it four, five, six times, she was able to pick it up quicker, but it was easier. The sandbags, I think, are gonna, I think they're gonna blow people up uh, in a good way. And the fact that they're running, 
a 300 meters, uh, 300 yard sprint as fast as they can, pick it up is going to be something they've never trained before. So sure they've done strongman stuff, but literally go run, you know, for as fast as you can, and then put something really, really heavy on your chest and try to walk with it. Um, I think that workout is going to be one of the funnest to watch. Athletes will have the potential to go unbroken on the walk, but they're going to have to want it way more than everybody else. That's awesome. I had a buddy that used to use physio balls and would put water in them and get like 80 pounds of water in a physio ball and you have to like pick it up and throw it over something. It's the most awkward thing I've ever done. Yeah, they're, uh, they're cool. I'm, I'm just, as like a mad scientist, I'm excited to have them in our gym. So, <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say it. That's really cool. So how have you seen your gym grow as the Granite Games have grown? I would kind of call them two different factors. You know, it's, uh, you know, there might be even members at the gym that don't even know we run the Granite Games or don't know what the Granite Games is. It's not something that we, I guess, talk about here a lot, just because I have a belief that if you come to my gym, it doesn't necessarily mean you want to compete. And we, it, it's really weird. We run a pretty big fitness competition, but we're not a, like a competitor's gym. Like if you come to our, you know, see our gym, I think a nice facility, but our membership is people that just want to live a healthy lifestyle. And we don't um, impose competing on them. Uh, if anything, like we have a very small uh, competitors group. And so it's growing, our gym is growing, but I think they're two independent, like linear growth models. I don't think they were, one was not because of the other. So obviously the volunteers and stuff like that help having a membership base, but um, like the Granite Games, we didn't get people coming to our gym saying, you guys run the Granite Games, I want to work out with you. Um, I mean, we have our you know, local membership base and you know, we have I think three or four teams competing just like everybody else. And they you know, ask me if they're going to be able to get registered. I'm like, make sure you're ready at 8 a.m. when registration opens. So I heard one pretty quick this year too again, didn't I? Yeah. Uh, we're definitely gonna have to figure out something for next year. I think it was as fast as five seconds this year. It was basically if you got clicked in, you got a spot. And you know, having the qualifiers definitely fixed some of those things, but you know, we've already tossed around the idea of some changes we wanna make for next year, especially for teams of three. Um, you know, I think it'll be time when we start to bring a qualifier in for that, um, at least for the upper two levels, uh, just to make sure that the people that deserve to be there are, and then still create some type of longer career or something where somebody can, you know, they can still have a chance to compete, but I also don't want to make the event all about like a qualifier. Like I think there's something really unique about you're just an athlete and luck of the draw, you got signed up and you get to compete. Like I don't want it to be about the best. I want it to be about the community and people that just enjoy doing this thing together that we all enjoy. Sounds like quite a good problem. Yeah, you would think so, but man, do you get some angry emails <laughs> when people don't get signed up? So very good point. It's, it's it's a it's a good and bad problem. I mean, I totally understand where they're coming from and their frustrations. You know, they do this qualifier, they they want to compete, but you know, it's thirteen thousand athletes this year. You know, hopefully, it's more next year. We can only accommodate you know so many. This year, we're taking eight hundred more athletes than we took last year. So we'll push over almost 2,000 athletes on site. It'll be the biggest event we've ever handled. And this will 
really test whether or not we can handle an event that size. Um, I'm pretty confident in our team that it's going to run smooth, but you know, there's always a room for error. Yeah, I can't imagine the, the things that must come up with a, an event that size. You just can't prepare for it. Yeah, and, and luckily we've, you know, knock on wood, we've, we've had some good luck. I really hope that, you know, with putting a full floor outside this year in the football field, um, I really hope the weather stays good. I, we have a workout plan for the community teams uh, Sunday evening that will take place around 8 o'clock under the lights. And it's just a, it's a fun workout. It's, you know, long run and they are pulling this super heavy sled. And it's, I think it's going to be one that, it, it's if, if the fans stick around for it, I think it'll be one of the, the funnest workouts to watch. Like that last round is just going to be, everybody will be able to move at the same pace, but it's going to be who's willing to push through. So, and anytime you can get the lights on, I think it's a pretty cool, cool feeling. Yeah. Always a good thing. So is the university pretty receptive to this event then? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I'm an alumni of St. Cloud State. I, I played hockey there, so I definitely had an in when, when I came to them with this idea. Uh, they were not receptive at first at all, and we had to do a lot of begging. And I think a little bit of like this blind luck that they really didn't know what we were doing. Um, <laughs> us to do it the first year. And then the fact that like nothing blew up in our face and we didn't ruin any of the facilities uh, got our foot in the door the second year. And then by now, yeah, we have an extremely good relationship. But I think if they would have known what we were doing on year one, they would have said, you're crazy, get out of here. And, you know, we, we work really close with them 12 months out of the year. It's the same group that we've been dealing with. And I think they understand our mission and what we're trying to help them achieve. And so I think, but like any type of trust, like they had to see what we could do. And, you know, you can say a lot of stuff, but you got to back it up. Oh, yeah, I think it's good for the school, though, too. You're, you're hosting it there, and people are getting, I mean, they're getting that exposure. And, I mean, maybe it can uh, make people want to go to school there. I was just thinking yeah. about this, the economic impact. For sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the economic impact is really interesting. Um, School-wise, I think it's, it does give them good, some good, like, you know, marketing. Um, but it also, I would say it's also disruptive, right? Like, school's going on. We have over 4,000, 5,000 people coming into town, but right to like, you know, a very condensed area. So it, it kind of messes with their parking. It's just, you know, so the economic side of working with the city, hotels are booked 45 miles away. Um, just our event is, you know, huge, hugely uh, a travel-based event. You know, the five-state area, yes, but really a lot of people are flying in, I think. Uh, you know, people are flying as far as uh, South Africa, Australia, Europe. So, I mean, there's a lot of travel too. So it's, it can be a little bit, it's, it's great for the economic uh, impact, but it's also challenging trying to find hotels for these, you know, people that are, they want to come compete. And there's just not the, this beds there. How about with the, you know, big CrossFit games, do you communicate much with them to not overlap on, even similar types of workouts and those kind of competitions, or are you guys completely separate from one another? I don't know how they would answer this, but I will publicly say I really research what everybody else has done because I don't want to copy them. 
And so a lot of times I'll write one version of the Granite Games, um, but I have to wait till July hits because I don't want to emulate what's happening in California. Um, for one, I, have, I, I don't want to seem like we're trying to copy them, but two, it's I want it to be different. You know, I don't want to copy them. I want our thing to be our thing. And so, you know, if, if we're going to have this workout that I had a huge fear that last year they were going to use skiers in it. That's kind of like our big secret, you know, first time that never been really used. And so I was really hoping they weren't going to be used. And so um, there was definitely workouts that I scrubbed last year. And there was workouts I had to scrub this year that I, you know, they were just too similar in nature. You know, whether it was a speed ladder or something like that. I mean, it's okay to do something, but I don't want to do it like literally two months after. I think we can be a little bit more creative than that and keep it fresh and, you know, give our fans something different to watch or even the athletes like they, you know, so. Respectable. So, where do you see the games going from here on out uh, in fifty years? It's a really hard question to answer. Um, you know, we've had other cities approach us about bringing the event there. Um, I'm from St. Cloud. I born and raised. Love the city. Uh, the other side is there's so much logistics to the event. I think it'd be hard to move it. But you know, we've definitely looked at moving it to bigger areas. It's just where else can you take over a complete campus like we do? Um, what I really, really hope the event turns into though, or continues to progress to is, um, I really hope that it continues to be known for a safe and fun event. And athletes of all levels uh, can come and get their first competition in, or athletes that are you know, striving to go to regionals or the games um, can use us as a measuring stick. And so I hope that our qualifier continues to grow and more people can experience the Granite Games. Um, and then I hope that we continue to have a lot of fun on site and, you know, and more people come and experience it. Sounds good. Yeah, my good goal. It is. Well, we want to be respectful of your time. It sounds like you're plenty busy, but we always try and finish up our episodes with a few questions that we ask everybody. So if you're good for those, we can dive right in. Yeah, give me with up. So one of the first ones um, is if you could go back and give yourself a call, and we usually say 10 years or so, but I think if we even said when you got started with this whole thing, what advice would you give yourself? Um, I would say the advice I would give myself would be the storm is going to be worth it. And totally not ashamed to say, but I remember after 2014, I was like completely broken by the event. I remember working so hard those previous years and financially we had lost so much money on the event. Um, and it just like, you're this guy that's like, then we're going to keep pushing through this thing's going to work. And it wasn't until like our fifth year, we even broke even. And I just remember sitting there one night and my wife walked in and I sent out a, like an email to the staff and said, we're done. I've never even told anybody this story. Um, I told everybody on our staff, we're done. I was gonna shut the Granite Games down. I was gonna make a public announcement the next day. And my wife walked in, Jessica, and she's like, she called me for, called me out. And I think that's part of what makes a great marriage and a great friend is somebody that can call you when you're being a little soft, um, to put it gently. And she got me to read it. And I chewed on it for a while and, and gave, it was 2015, we gave it another shot. And 2015, we, you know, we, we finally like 
didn't lose our face on the event. And, you know, as much as we all love the event, we can't lose money. Like I can't, you know, you know, it's, it's got to break even at bare minimum. And it was interesting because we had a, we had a fun year in 2015. We've had a fun year this year, but man, was I broken in 2014. And I just think about so many times in people's lives where you are broken. You know, it's that old cliche, like it's always going to be darkest before it becomes light. And that was like, it was that moment that she told me to like, you know, you got to give it another shot you owe it to yourself to not quit. You need to see this thing through, like if it kills you. And cause I literally thought at that point I was crazy. Like, what am I doing? Like I'm an effort in and nothing's paying off and you start to get a little bit, you know, whiny or, you know, frustrated or you start that self doubt creeps in. And so. I guess if I was going to tell myself anything is just, just ride the storm out and trust yourself. Like don't just keep pushing. So. Awesome. That's really cool. Sounds like you got a hell of a woman. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. So what, what, uh, besides her kind of prodding you, what were, I mean, you didn't send the email. I mean, what did you No, I, I sent the email out. That's how she found out. Um, I sent it out. I was sitting there and, I just wrote everybody. She got CC'd. She's a part of the event. So she's part of staff. I CC'd her on it. And she just walked in and she's like, she didn't even like give me a chance to talk. She's like, you owe it to yourself not to quit. Like, are you really going to quit on this thing? And I was kind of taken back. And she normally isn't aggressive. And I was like, kind of like, I fought back and pushed back. I'm like, you don't know how much I've tried. And like, I've done everything. And she's just basically told me to shut up and like, I need to do it another year. And called me a quitter and I was like, I, we were like, at this point we had now, there's no longer a talk. It was like us fighting. <laughs> I was trying to defend my stance and I had done everything I could. And she said, doesn't matter. Like you got to try one more year. Like you owe it to yourself and people to, to give it one more shot. I mean, it was, I don't know. I've, I gotta imagine it. I've never done a marathon or something like that, but just, I was, I've never been broke like that. I've played professional sports. I've done a lot of things. It broke me. Like I was, I was broke right in half. I have no problem saying it now, but yeah, she just told me to like basically, you know, sack up and quit being a baby. Luckily, you know, we, here we are. Yeah. How cool. Awesome. That's, that's really cool. <laughs> Probably use a little bit more of that in our lives. Uh, second one is what is something you believe that others may not? And that can be in the fitness, health world, or just kind of in general. Well, one, I'm a big conspiracy uh, conspiracy person. I don't know why, but I love them. Everybody loves to to just wonder what if. But um, I am a firm believer, whether or not others believe it or not, that I don't care who you are. If you say you're going to go do something, you literally have every possibility to do it if you want it like you'll figure it out and when we opened our gym i didn't have any money um like completely broke i remember having one cent in my personal bank account because i if i took it out they'd close it and i just had this blind faith that this thing was going to work and i remember so many people telling me that a the granite cave would never work in st cloud minnesota like who the hell is going to travel here um, or this gym that we have would never work. Nobody's going to pay to you know, get that. I think St. Cloud got rated like the least fit person place. And, like, and now I think it's, I think St. Cloud's really changed. 
Um, but at the time, things weren't like great. I mean, here you have this guy quitting to do these things and people thought I was nuts. But I think if you truly believe in yourself, that that's the first step. And so that's the one thing I believe is I believe that everybody should start believing in themselves and follow whatever their dream is because life is way too short to do shit you don't like. I guess that's cool. Uh, before we get to kind of the third one, just curious, you seem like you would probably do this book recommendations. A big reader, um, actually big listener. I get a lot of crap if people heard that I said big reader. I, I listen to books all the time. Um, I love Count is overrated. Uh, I think that's a great book, and that's kind of where my mindset stems from. Good to Great is an excellent book. I mean, I've, I've got a list of like 50 I could give you. If it's business, I think Traction is a great book uh, for like operating systems. We use a lot of that stuff in the Granite Games. Um, and yeah, I think Count is overrated. David and Goliath, uh, anything Mac, uh, uh, Malcolm Gladwell is a, I think, a great thing to pick up. So um, I guess I don't have one because, you know, I, I like to, to consume. Multiple is good. I can add them to my list. Yeah. All about that. We're big Malcolm Gladwell fans. Yeah, I, I really love the story of uh, the story about David Goliath in the book David Goliath. I thought that was just. A really neat story, and there's I, I, his series of books um, are really excellent. So, uh, cool. the last one, fitness purchase. Uh, what's your most influential purchase for a hundred dollars or less? Fitness. I saw that question. Um, for you, this is like really good. I feel like after you set this whole thing up. Yeah. Uh, It's funny because I don't remember the last time I got to just spend $100 on something because it seems like nowadays with Granite Games or us building this gym out, everything is just it's expensive. Yeah. Um, but I would say a book or a knowledge or a course or anything that's going to better you is always the best money spent. Um, you know, I was, I was giving a, a speech at a conference and I was talking about this truck that I got. You know, I always driven around these trucks that you're kind of scared to pick up a girl in like like yeah this isn't mine i'm just borrowing it from a buddy uh, my truck's being fixed and uh and so I, I got kind of a nicer truck finally and you know i worked hard for it and paid for it i was super proud of myself and i remember two weeks in i was like i didn't care about it anymore like i didn't think it was cool um and what i've really learned is it's nice to have nice things but you know, going out and buying that watch doesn't make you like a better person. Having a nice house, having a nice table, having a nice gym, any of that stuff doesn't improve you. Like it literally has no impact. From the surface, people might think you have shit figured out, but really the investment into self-knowledge and improving yourself is the best practice. That and an AED in your gym is probably the two best purchases. <laughs> so I know AED is far more expensive than, than, than $100, but I, I would say a book, actually two books. Um, I would buy traction and I'd probably buy uh count is overrated on the start there. Awesome. I like it. Good thing that I think that AED falls under priceless. It just it just is. Yeah. Um I remember it was two years ago, year and a half ago, we bought our AED. And our new gym is about fifteen thousand square feet. So we have a floor scrubber now. Thank goodness. You couldn't mop it. But I wanted a floor scrubber in the worst way. 
but I refused to buy one until I got the hang of an AD um, because I knew I would never be able to live with myself if I made the purchase of buying the floor scrubber but not buying the AD first. But we needed the floor scrubber. I mean, the floor scrubber is like the craziest, greatest tool to a gym owner. Like it keeps your floor so clean. It really is efficient. Um, but I just remember like you have to have an AD because there's always just the what if. You know, and the same thing like Granite Games, we have ambulances on site, we have doctors on site, we have a PT, we have uh, like the full basically medical team for if shit ever hits the fan. And we've never used any of it, but I would never be able to live my, with myself if we weren't, it's not like, I don't want to call the ambulance, I want it there. I don't want to call a doctor, I want like, you gotta be ready, because it's just a matter of if. And I think any gym owner that's serious about running a gym, safety first before they buy a squat rack or a barbell or those things. Um, you can do a lot with just bodyweight movements, but having an AED, like it's essential. That's really refreshing to hear. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I, it falls right in line with you talking about, you know, having a safe event and being fun and everything too. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, there's always lots of, lots of things I, I want to do, but you gotta, ultimately I'm responsible for people's safety. I mean, they got to be smart on the floor, but you know, a little bit falls on like you got to think about like the week and everything coming together so i think there's a lot that goes in a program you can't you can anybody can slap workouts together but like, i try to hopefully care a little bit more that like you know we're putting time and effort in because you know? if i got to write all the stuff i'd write the heaviest workouts and the hardest and like you know really get to test them like if i always wanted to program king kong for granite games workout i think it's just a sweet workout <laughs> but it's like eh, over three days and all that volume may not be the right thing so out of curiosity, what do you do with all the equipment stuff that you do buy for each year's competition? Dock it at your gym or resell it? No. Um, so our gym has got all its gear. Uh, so this year we we work with Rogue. Rogue's been lights out. There we literally could not have done what we did without Rogue. So they'll send a couple semis in. We'll build out and then we'll pack up and ship out. Uh, concept two this year is is graceless with their herbs. So we purchase those and then we resell them for the price we buy them so we don't the stuff we do sell we're not trying to make a profit on if any of the motors are getting you know fairly good conditioned equipment in and, and can prove their facilities but yeah we've we in previous years we would take and maybe keep the plates you know and re we kind of have our facility set up how we like it and so now it's if, if we have something we'll sell it sell it at what we bought it for and then if not ship it back to row you know and so get ready for the next year well then just in closing you want to give any plug shout outs where people should find you any more information i don't know if there's a live stream but if there is where they can check that out go yeah if people are interested in the granite games just hop on www.thegranitegames.com and you know hopefully at some point we get to cross paths and you know, i'd love to hear their their story about the first competition so i mean i just appreciate you guys having me so thank you for you know, giving me your time as well. We appreciate it much. from you. Yeah, good, good luck on the rest of the setup and preparation. Yes, absolutely. So thank you guys for having me once again, and we'll talk soon. Right, Sounds good. good. Thanks, thank, you. thank you. See you guys. Thank you for watching this episode of Clinically Pressed. 
If you want to go check out our full site at clinicallypressed.com, we will have links to all our episodes, our insights, and coming soon, CP Shorts. Also, while you're there, we are starting to offer online courses with our first one being Dr. Jacob's Weight Loss 101, so check that out. You can find us at any podcast outlet and YouTube. While you're there, if you could give us a thumbs up or a rating, that would be great. We've heard it really helps. Also, check out our blog at TotalAthleticTherapy.com where you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter that summarizes all of our posts, plus provides you with some other extras. Thank you again for listening, and we hope to see you again soon.